the story had to pause, in part because the fire was dying, but also in part because the story had to change, too. The stranger held the fire iron, a rusted thing more rust than ore at this point, while the boy restocked the fire with dried wood. Did I tell you, boy, what Grimnir means? The boy thought for a moment. If he had, he had forgotten. No. The stranger began separating the embers from the ash. Grimnir sounds like his other titles. The Grim God, for example, but it means the Hooded One. Odin moves in secret, hooded under his hat or cloak, and it is by that name he goes unknown in the world. In Midgard, specifically, but you know he has other names, many names, in many places. The boy smiled. You might have mentioned it, stranger. So I did, so I did. Many names for many people. Now, remind me. Where were we? Get me another drink, boy. The fire grew brighter. The mother's snoring got louder. Grimnir, who's Odin, who's the hooded one and the grim god, asked Tyr what he knew about Satung and decided to go to Jotunheim to get the meat of poetry, which was made of Kvasir's blood and honey. The stranger was taken aback. That was one sentence. No breaks. You've a scald in you, boy, but yes, let me tell you, not of Odin, not of Grimnir, but of the ill-worker. Let us talk of Bullverker. Welcome to Goddessy, Season 2, Episode 8, The Ill Worker. Bullverker. Who was he? What did he look like? Thin like a wisp, with a patchy black beard. Dressed in a black faded cloak and in ill-fitting clothes, his cheeks were flushed, seeming from nothing. But that day in Jotunheim, when the wheat was not yet grown, the wind was strong. He looked sad, not grim, but sad, and he hummed. He stood before the table of the giant Jarl, Boggy, busy eating a chicken leg larger than Bulverker's entire body. That name! It means bad worker or evil worker. Are you an evil worker, Bulverker, or is your father or mother merely cruel? The man called Bulverker looked sheepish then, boy, and he mumbled. Speak up, little man. No, the, the the name is fitting, good Lord Boggy. Ill winds follow me as they do to your halls, which are tall and, and windy. I am a good worker, hard worker without equal, and can do the work of ten. But my luck is ill, and my heart. Boggy smacked loudly, and Bulverger looked back down. You were found with the bodies of nine of my men, my best workers, my only workers, as it were. The fields have not yet been plowed, and we were starting tomorrow. Now, ill worker, I begin to wonder, what do you know about my dead men? Bulverker began to move his mouth, and nothing came out. The Jotun Lord grumbled, clearing his throat, and Bulverker spoke up. I saw it. I was walking down the road, for I wanted to offer my services to your brother, Sotung. Your workers were having an argument, and I think I heard one said that he could cut better than the rest, and that the rest were lazy. Each one in kind said that they could do the work of the others, and they looked as though they might argue and potentially fight. And so one of them noticed me, and I grew nervous, for from me only stems ill ends, and they asked me which of them was the best to watch a contest and judge them. 
and so they asked me to come up with a contest, and so I did. They would stand in a circle, and the bad wheat, the wild wheat that you don't want to use, each of them would use their tool to cut it all at once. And so they made a circle. They they did, Lord Boggy, and they reared back, and I realized too late. They were going to decapitate each other. And I screamed out, and it was too late, and each one of them showered the field in red and fell, and I can confirm that they are good workers, sir, the best of the best. Oh, ill worker I am. I'm sorry, Lord Boggy. So, instead of running, I came to you to offer my terrible life, my worthless life. Perhaps I can serve you, and perhaps I can make up for this. Boggy stared at him, chewing gristle without any indication he had eaten anything for over a minute. From his smile, Bullverker grew more and more nervous. So, nine of my workers, my only farmhands, cut the heads off of each other in a contest to determine who was the best of them. And you watched all this. Bullverker took off his cloak, offering it to Boggy. The blood is on my clothes, sir. Boggy laughed. You little man, I like you, whimpering child that you are. You said, ten workers, you can do the work of ten despite being one little man. Bullverker nodded, looking out the window larger than a meat hall. I, 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 I can, but ill tidings will be yours, Boggy, ill tidings. Boggy stood as tall as a mountain and squatted down, smelling quite awful. Bullverker did not indicate this, but he thought it. Ask me not how I know. Little man, Bullverker, ill-worker, whatever you are, I will give you the chance to prove your ill-working is good work. If you succeed, you can be my worker and ask a single favor of me, keeping your life. If you fail, I will bite off your head and make a puppet from your body for my children. Is this agreeable, evildoer? And so, Bullverker agreed, glad that Boggy did not ask him further questions, forcing him to reveal that he had been the one to trick the nine workers to fight to begin with. So the next day, Bullverker began his work. He plowed the entirety of Boggy's not inconsiderable field in a single day. Weather came when he asked it, and he planted seeds perfectly. Boggy regarded this with much interest, laughing as the little man made clear quickly his competence. That season, there came no blight, no pestilence of insect or disease. Weeds were destroyed with prejudice, and every field was meticulously cared for. Bullverker never ceased in his nervousness, though, and never provided anything but a muttering mess when in Boggy's hall, eating and feasting with the Jotun and with their dwarf companions alike. He did not speak of his past. He did not speak of his future, for he would surely win the bet. The seasons came and went, and Bullverker won the bet indeed. Boggy's fields were like never before, giving the Jotun Jarl reason to be happy. He had long feared his brother Satung would overtake him and eliminate him as a rival in food production, for he already had the best workers. With Bulwerker, though, there was no competition. Boggy would be the envy of Jotunheim, and perhaps even Alfheim, too. When the season ended, Boggy called Bulwerker to his hall and greeted him with a feast. Bulwerker! 
When you first came to me, you were a sorrowful when you told me your name was accurate, that you were the evildoer, the ill worker. You are ill-named, more like. Never have I seen your like. Not one of your pedigree or lineage could dare compare, or else we would have heard of them. When this began, I promised you your life, did I not? And I give you that, and you shall become my finest worker. Bulwerker coughed and said something. Hmm? Speak up, dear Bulwerker. He coughed again and said something low. I did not catch that, blast it, speak up! A request! Bulwerker cried out, then covered his mouth. Boggy's smile dimmed, but did not diminish to nothing. Ah, yes, a request, as promised. Anything you ask. Bulwerker looked around. Perhaps you should clear the hall. It's a very specific request. Boggy nodded to his court, and they did as they were bade. Only Boggy and Bulwerker remained in the hall. Your brother, Satung. He is a mighty Jarl with many halls and housecarls. The gods of the high heavens fear him. Thor thinks twice at his coming. But, as I understand it, he came across a particular mead, and... Boggy spoke up. Ah, yes, the mead of poetry. He keeps it in his fortress, hidden away from the world. Won't even let me see it. I cannot get it for you, if that is your question. Bulwerker nodded. I know. I asked him myself, offered him my services before I came to you. I knew that you, as the youngest son of Gilling, would not inherit from your parents' demise. I thought that perhaps you would be willing to help me get the mead anyway. Boggy's eyes narrowed. What are you suggesting, evil doer? One of Bulwerker's eyes twinkled, and for a moment, Boggy thought he might have had only the one. Help me break into the fortress at the heart of the mountain, Heat Bjorg, through deceit, and I shall steal you the meat of poetry. I will drink it and overcome my stammer, my fear of words, and you shall be the wittiest and wealthiest of Jotun Jarls of Jotunheim. Thor will think twice at your coming, and the gods will pay tribute to your wisdom and wit. Boggy did not even have to consider. You look so small, Bulwerker, and I doubted you with the fields and yields of wheat. And look at you. I already stand at the precipice of greatness. He laughed. I know how to get into Nietborg, breaking into it. It will take work, and I happen to know my niece, Gunlod, a warrior without equal in any of the nine worlds, is there. You will need a plan. Bulwerker smiled. He said no more, for the pact was already sealed. Dawn over Jotunheim revealed the two at the side of a mountain, a tall mountain without equal in any of the nine worlds, when Boggy took out a drill, which was called Rati. Do not ask me why it was named this. Enchanted it was, boy, and he began to work, drilling into the mountain. The hole was thin, narrow, and certainly impossible for Bulwerker to get into, but Boggy trusted him. He could not do other than to trust him. When he finished, Boggy sighed and wiped away the sweat. There, Bulwerker, a complete hole all the way through. And just how are you going to get in there? The little man smiled. I have my ways, Boggy. Can I check it? Boggy stepped back. 
and Bulwerker blew into the hole. His face grew serious for a moment, and he waited before turning. Do you think your brother will retaliate against you if he finds out you were involved in the theft of the mead? Boggy grew tense then. He won't know. Bulwerker looked up at Boggy, grinning then. He had not grinned in the many months he had been in Boggy's court. Perhaps that is for the best, but why did you make that hole and not go all the way through? Boggy's eye flinched. What do you mean? When I blew, the dust did not get all the way through into the fortress within the mountain. You intend to betray me. Why wait here and not in your hall? Gone was the stammer and the bent stature. Now there stood a proud and tall man before Boggy. I must appear honorable, even if I am anything but Bulwerker. You are a good worker, but a poor thief. Taking the drill, he aimed it precisely at Bulwerker's heart. He would impale him and eat him. And Bulwerker just stood there. When Boggy stabbed downward, he was surprised to have impaled nothing. By accident, his drill seemed to have re-entered the hole and he slipped in his footing, twisting the drill's crank. He felt it go all the way through to the other side, and as he collected himself, the giant Jotun stood up, looking around. Where are you, Bulwerker? You liar and beggar! There came a hiss. I am here, second son of a greater sire. I thank you for letting me in. Give my regards to your brother, would you? Below, a green grass snake's stretched up the wall to the hole, and there entered it. If Boggy cursed him, the snake, who had been Bulwerker, did not hear it. When he exited the hole and entered the fortress proper, it was as a man, but a man who appeared much younger and more beautiful, with two bright shining eyes. His robes were fine, if dusty, and he had a look of the road upon him, with a stubbled face and unclean fingers. Dusting himself off, he looked around, then smiled, never leaving his face. The open hall was great and mighty, with a feasting table that was empty. Only one chair at the high table had been disturbed. A single plate sat out. There was no occupant of the chair, and soon he knew why. A knife came to his throat, though he had heard no one move. The light was dim in the feast hall's single fire illuminating the delicate calloused hand that held the knife, following the muscular lithe arms and the head of a white gold. The man saw eyes like piercing icicles. The Jotun shield maiden was just slightly taller than he, and as fierce as she was beautiful. At her back were two swords and a spear in her other hand, indicating she was trained in many arms. The knife at his throat moved suddenly to his chin. None may enter the hall of Satung unannounced save Satung. State your business before I sully the floor with your blood. He turned, seemingly unfazed by the knife. You are my business, fair Gunlod. You are the fairest being in all of the Nine Worlds, and it is you I have come to see. Your gate is closed, locked to the outside world, and food shipments come through a secret compartment. Was I to send you a love letter before I had seen you? No, I had to behold you, the fairest of Jotuns, the envy of Freya and Idun. And now that I have... No mere words can describe what I see. Though the knife did not leave his neck, Goodloe's composure changed. 
What is your name, silver-tongued serpent? Liar, I name you. He smiled. Then name me Liar, but I am he who stands in rapture of your beauty. I would be named Farmir Armagundlodar, the burden of your arms. I know that I am not worthy, but I would rather die by your hand than live another day in agony, removed from your grace and poise. She withdrew the dagger. Sit then. I could use a burden. I have not seen a soul in almost a single year, and I would do with any company, even as one as comely as yours. That is called flirting, boy. One day you will find a beautiful maiden or youth, and you shall flirt with them. It will be clumsy. It will be foolish. But it will be true, and you will put all of yourself into the art of it. This stranger, not Bulwerker, but Farmer, as we shall call him, dined with her, and they talked long into the night. But not too late, for soon they were at a single bed together. You are young, and I shall spare you the details, boy. But it would be three days before they left that bed. And there we must pause our tale again in respect of the sorrow that came to fill Gunlode's fool heart. Fulverker is, in my opinion, perhaps the most fun of the guises of a certain far traveler. The ill worker of Bagi is an interesting character, a masterful manipulator who is largely honest to those he speaks to, with his intentions, his skills, and his deeds, and of course, this is all Odin at work. Bulwerker only appears in the story of the meat of poetry, as far as Odin's many identities go, but it is one of my favorite titles. The Seduction of Gunlod is a tale that goes beyond simply the meat of poetry, because it is something of a tragedy as we'll see next episode. Odin has few regrets, but his treatment here is one of them. Very strange for a god to feel remorse, yet the writers of Havamal, the great moralistic poem of the pagan Norse, is quite clear on that point. Next week we conclude the tale of the meat of poetry and the end of Mimir's tale too. Stick around. Godesey is written, researched, and produced by Kirk Wright. Additional writing and editing by Sidney Egger, who knows better than to listen to a snake man who came through a hole in the wall. Music by Scott Buckley, whose Creative Commons music can be found at www.scottbuckley.com.au. Follow Goddessy on social media at The Goddessy Podcast. We share mythology factoid daily from all over the world, hilarious memes, and occasionally real-world wisdom. And when you do, reach out and share Goddessy with your friends, followers, and shield maidens of Satung. We can also be reached via email. All those can be found in the show notes below, so check those out. Your support keeps this show going. If you like what you've heard, leave a review on the podcast service of your choice and help others find us. Share us on social media and maybe a Jotun Lord will come and ask me to do stuff for them. If you want to show support for the show more directly, you can get access to weekly blog deep dives and early access episodes on our Patreon. The link is also in the show notes. Goddessy releases every Monday. See you next week, Far Traveler.